Welcome, welcome. Uh, we are coming to take a trip down memory lane today. Thank you all for joining us. Um, hey, Tara. Hey, Colin. Uh, hey. <laughs> Hi, Princess Colin. Yes, Colin is getting his princess vibes on today. We love to see it. <laughs> Uh, yes. So yeah, today we're talking. Well, okay. I mean, all right. All right. I just want to take a moment because we've all been watching. We've all been like doing this and, um, none of us have ever been all caught up at the same time until today. So, uh, can we just take like a minute to like talk about WandaVision? Cause <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> Uh, we'll try not to get too spoilery in case, uh, anyone in the chat hasn't seen it, um, you know, send up like a red flare or something if you're like, stop now, uh, but, <laughs> um, cause, oh my god, this show is giving me life, I cannot believe, uh, like how excited I am for something in the MCU after so long, um, yeah, I think the last thing I was this excited about was Black Panther, um, and this show is like giving me everything that I want and everything that I need, <laughs> including <laughs> all of the best Catherine Hahn moments. <laughs> Catherine Hahn, uh, when we uh, shoot, I don't know how to say this in a non-spoilery way, so I won't. <laughs> but Catherine Hahn is amazing in this show. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine Hahn. We've got Captain Rambo. We've got Randall Park as like a Jimmy Woo. Like, yeah, Jim, I mean, we've got it. WandaVision is giving us everything that I've been wanting from the MCU for the past like two or three movies because it's all been so like boy fight to borrow Tara's <laughs> term. And WandaVision there's so is, little boy fight, <laughs> there's so little boy fight in WandaVision, and it's all actual character stuff and actual like real interesting stuff things happening where you're like oh the scarlet witch really is that powerful and it's terrifying <laughs> yeah uh so yeah i just wanted to have a little geek out moment with both of you on that because uh yeah we haven't really been able to all talk about it together because uh you know one of us is usually like a little bit behind the others so uh it's been it's been great <laughs> and, and craig i'm gonna i kid you not i'm saving that voicemail forever of just your, your delight of being like what <laughs> 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 the amount of joy in your voice like every time i you know get covid sad i'm just gonna listen to that on repeat <laughs> oh my god yes uh, uh thank you for coming mika thanks for lurking in the chat i love to see it um <laughs> uh so yeah today our main topic is uh cinderella the 1997 uh version of the rogers and hammerstein adaptation uh starring brandy whitney houston bernadette peters jason alexander uh let's see we've got uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Goldberg. We've got Natalie Dessel. We've got Victor Garber. Like we've got like this cast is so stacked. Like Paolo Montalban. Like it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's funny that you said trip down memory lane because I realized as I started watching it that I'd only ever seen the Whitney Houston scenes because I'm a little bit older than y'all, right? And <laughs> right. so I only knew it through Whitney's eyes. <laughs> so it's fun to actually get to see the the rest of the movie. <laughs> see, yeah. I have I have such vague memories of this movie being a thing in 1997, but this was my question from watching it. Was was this in theaters or, or was this a TV movie? No, I think it was TV. a TV. Yeah, it was a TV oh, okay. movie. Because it, it, it really looked like a TV movie. And the thing that, not to say that it wasn't good. I mean, the cast is stacked, as you said, and it's the Rodgers and Hammerstein version instead of being like the Disney animated version. So it's got the Rodgers and Hammerstein music in it. it everything that's so good about this. But production value-wise, the nearest thing I can equate it to is the TV movie version of the music man they did with Matthew Broderick and Christian Chenoweth. I where vaguely it, it has the same I, like TV movie lighting. It has the same kind of TV movie aesthetic through the whole thing. For sure. Yeah. 
they're yeah. they're making a and it was I think at the time one of the most expensive TV movies that had ever been made, which shows up in all the production design, but it still is not full movie. It's not 120 million dollars. Yeah, and it's also 1997. So it's not even 20 million dollars. It's like seven million dollars yeah yeah um and i don't i don't know if there was like a whole lot of these that were happening at the time but um this might have been like what kind of kicked off that um because i think like now there's they've done like a few live musical type of deals where it's actually like just like a musical that's on stage but is broadcast on primetime television like they did rent they did um what was the other one did they do well, the they, they did the, the they did hamilton on disney plus they did you know a bunch of things where it's just the broadway play but they they do it instead of like a, a well, that's what they're doing now as opposed to like in the 90s and kind of the early 2000s where they would do a, a tv movie version of a musical like yeah this well i mean not even like cool because hamilton is literally like they just like did a really like intricate recording of the Broadway show and uh, it's it. called but... Theatrovision. Yeah. Uh, uh, Richard Burton made up that term to describe his version of Hamlet. That was the first <laughs> time it was simulcast in the seventies. Theatrovision. He thought it was going to be a whole thing. Which yeah, yeah. But they have. <laughs> but they had ones like I think Fox has done them mostly of like ones that are actually like designed and like made to be broadcast on television as their initial live but they're live performances um and so like that is something that's happened too so we've gotten a lot of like that and i feel like it kind of branches out from this i'm not sure like like you said there might have been like some like straight up musical theater performances that were broadcast at the same time as they were on stage but for something that was like made for tv as like a musical this feels like one of the earlier ones yeah, there, there's this, and then the Hallmark Channel would do some of these. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I can see how this would be, like, again, the biggest budget version of that. And, um, you know, you always know that you're in for a stacked cast when, like, the cast comes up and it's, like, listed in alphabetical order. They're like, we don't want to piss anybody <laughs> off. We're, we're, we're not just going fighting out. over this. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, Brandy, and then it was, like, okay, now everybody else, like, we're just going to put you in alphabetical order because we don't want any, any, no like, fighting, no drama. <laughs> there's no ego. There's no drama. We're all just here to do a fairy tale and, and like have it be like truly like multicultural and multi-ethnic and, yeah. and like, and, and it's not even a thing. We don't comment on it. Yeah. yeah. Like Whoopi Goldberg is married to that white dude from Titanic and they're the game queen. And yeah, they have like a Filipino, like they have a Filipino son. Yeah. Like their son is <laughs> Filipino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. And I love it too because um I don't there's still so much like charisma across the cast because these are like at the time, like nineteen ninety-seven, like these actors were like everything. Like Jason Alexander, like this is like Seinfeld was still on the air. Like, you know, we have Whoopi Goldberg. Uh I think, you know, the next generation was still on the air. Uh, in 97 like so it's like Bernadette Peters yeah, like treasure of musical theater running right? Broadway yeah. still and, like and, yeah and Bernadette Peters at the height of being Bernadette Peters too right mm-hmm. <laughs> like, as soon as her name came up in the credits I was like she's gotta be the evil stepmother <laughs> like come on <laughs> right? like, please let her be the evil stepmother <laughs> yeah and then we have like Whitney fucking Houston like in 1997 like yeah like the the budget for this like alone just like was probably like like, one day of her yeah people's salaries (laughs) just like yeah we had to make sure we get these people paid because (laughs) yeah well she had i looked this up you know was reading a little bit about it but she had been trying to get this movie made for a long time where she was going to be cinderella right and then by the time it got approved she kind of she she herself recognized that she's she'd aged out of the role so she selected brandy and then she became a producer on it and i think that's how it finally got made was that she was like okay and so she i, I just really like that you know kind of passing on the baton to other performers and kind of hand picking someone to to be the new cinderella right yep. i mean yeah wendy uh wendy <laughs> whitney was yeah was a legend 
also like gracious like also just like there like to support like the up-and-coming talent like you know she talked a lot about um you know how much she loved brandy you know she talked about Aaliyah at the time like how much she loved her when she was coming up like that was like you know if there was one person he was gonna gonna be like like that generation was like all so supportive of like the next generation coming up and the generation before that you know like the patty labelles the uh you know like the diana rosses were also like very supportive of like moving into like whitney's era of music like i just love to see that like that support especially like when it comes to black women it's just like so wonderful to see and there's all these little moments that were like like one line that really stuck out for me um while we're on that subject i know it's a little further down in the movie but um Whitney is like as the fairy godmother is talking to Cinderella and she says something like um you know uh, after the ball she's like well do you really think you fell in love with your fancy gown and your pretty braids and like that little that pretty braids line is just Mm -hmm. like such a small little thing but like it's so affirming to like so many black girls like who you know wore those braids who you know have been like ostracized for their hairstyles and like that was just like such a little moment of like I feel like little black girls watching that would be like pretty braids. Like, yes. Like that's such a wonderful thing to hear (laughs) on like such a big platform. Yeah. It's such a massive platform. And again, in reading about it, I know that the studio had tried to push for a white Cinderella, like Whitney can be black, but let's make Cinderella white again. And they were like, hell no for that exact reason. uh, (laughs) Modern phrasing you used for these studio executives in 1997, make Cinderella white again. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Right. That was was not a direct quote, but that's what they meant. Uh, yeah, and I love to, it shows, like, in the performance, like, and also how they talk about, um, you know, the stepsisters, like, they're never really, like, made fun of, like, for their, like, appearance, it's always, like, their mm-hmm. attitude, like, um, you know, I, and Natalie Lucelle, who, you know, rest in peace, she just uh, passed in December of mm-hmm. uh, this last year, uh, and is, like, an amazing actor, like, so, like, a, comedian like comedic performances like just like a lovely lovely person and like you know it would have been like um you know for the time like it was so interesting like to see because almost anytime you saw something like in the 90s or something like if they could like put in like you know a fat joke or something like that they would do that and this movie like didn't take any of those like cheap shots it was all just like about like oh yeah no these two sisters just like have a really stank attitude and so we're gonna focus on them being horrible people because again there's so much more that you can talk about when you're talking about shitty people than you know (laughs) their physical appearance and like you know it was wonderful. <laughs> they, they still play up their physical appearance without having to comment on it or without having to make a joke out of it. Because uh, against her, they cast like Bian Cox, who's just the tallest, skinniest, yes. lankiest <laughs> woman you could possibly put. You're like, so how are these two women sisters? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, truly like the blind casting of like, yeah, we have like these two sisters. Yeah, one is like a very tall, thin, like, white woman one is like a shorter like more like uh you know like rubenesque uh black woman their mother is bernadette peters and <laughs> there's never and, and and yeah brandy is like their half sister <laughs> we have no idea who like how this worked with like the father because <laughs> you know what we don't care we yeah. just doesn't matter. The that's, that's matter. the thing is it doesn't matter <laughs> And I love, too, like, how much, uh, it's interesting, like, how much background we get without really having, like, exposition, per se. Uh, I mean, most of it is through song, but, like, a really, uh, a really simple song that gives a lot of background that was, like, stuck in my head was uh, the Falling in Love with Love song that the stepmother sings, um, which I found out, like, actually isn't originally a part of this show, um it's a it's originally from a rogers and hart show called uh what is it the boys from syracuse uh and it's like a it's an old show from 1938 and it's been done by like uh you know julie andrews has sung it frank sinatra has sung it Mm. like sammy davis jr has sung it like all these different it's like something that's like almost like a standard 
uh, when it comes to like performance and like uh, across genres. So um, it was interesting to like have that be in here because it also does this uh, allows for a lot of background for Bernadette Peters' character because you hear about like she actually was in love at one point and you know something happened we don't know exactly what happened but you know she says that she fell in love with love uh and love fell out with her and that's just like such a loaded line such a loaded like lyric for this character who's like obviously turned very jaded and like to the point of cruelty uh towards cinderella in particular and so it's it's I'm wondering what happened there. It makes me wonder what happened there <laughs> with Cinderella's father uh, or with like the other two girls' father. Like maybe they don't all have the same father. Maybe they're like, you know, daughters from an earlier marriage and like that <laughs> fell apart. But you just get this yeah. thing where you feel like she once was as bright eyed and like, you know, innocent as like Cinderella is. And over time, she's just been, yeah the world has done its part to make her this jaded, cruel person. And it humanizes her, right? That like, it's a one step beyond her just being the evil stepmother who's shitty to Brandy and shitty to her children, right? It's the, no, do not follow this because you will get burned, right? Like I have been burned by this, be more practical. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually making you sympathize with the wicked stepmother from Cinderella, which is the brilliance <laughs> of this film. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like it does the same thing with the sisters and their song, yes. too, because it's all about them being, like, not the, you know, the typical person that, uh, you know, that has someone fall in love with them. Uh, and, like, oh, yeah, well, like, why would wanna, anyone want to, you know, fall in love with someone, like, you know, just, like, lovely? Like, no one would ever would have, no one ever wants to fall in love with me. And yeah. you get that, you get that sense of, not only like with that jealousy, but it's like coming from a, like a place of pain for them too. Of like, yeah, no one, no one wants like me. This like you know, like very tall woman or this like you know short and like rounder woman. So, uh, you know, everyone just wants this like perfect like medium like you know like this like base level like everyone calls you know i mean everyone re refers to cinderella as, as like average in this movie but like it's brandy so. but it's yeah. it's like yeah. the most beautiful girl like, <laughs> who existed in the year 1997 in 97 it was like yeah who like, who is you like, could not be brandy. more gorgeous than brandy <laughs> and, yep. uh, I, I do want to come back to the stepsister song for a second though because i do love that yeah it is this like really dark thing of the two of them were like why would they want somebody who's like that? Why can't they just be someone? But it's juxtaposed with this very bouncy, light Richard Rogers melody. It's like, why would a fella want a girl like her? A girl who's merely lovely. And you <laughs> juxtapose that against like what they're actually singing about. And you're like, oh, this is like really interesting. <laughs> they're like, they're coming from a really dark place with this really upbeat song. Yeah. Yeah, and the phrase merely me is like heartbreaking. Again, this is the first time I've heard this song. And so I was like, merely me, ooh, <laughs> right? And they're describing, you know, that she's just merely lovely. I love that they call her a rose, a doe, a swan, a bird, a daisy, right? All these kind of, um, you know, well, we'll call it stereotypical things that a woman should be. Why just not merely me? I love that. It's such a kind of lovely and heartbreaking humanizing as you're saying craig right like the even the wicked stepsisters are, are humanized in this version yeah honestly i was like i could have done with like maybe like 15 more minutes of runtime in this where we get like oh yeah the, like the stepsisters find you know like they realize the area of their ways and you know they also find love because Sure. And Bernadette Peters finds <laughs> yeah, one too. Yeah, <laughs> they all yeah her and like Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander. Like, yeah, <laughs> actually like turn around and like, yeah, because there's a moment where they're together and like you can feel like the chemistry of like in the moment it's played as like the, uh, you know, the disdain uh, and like for really comedic effect. But like there's still that chemistry there, even like when they are, you know, like na like nagging at each other. And yeah. so that would have been interesting to like turn that to like flip that chemistry around and have it be like, oh, actually, you know, 
we're actually kind of in love with each other. <laughs> you can't have two Broadway stars like Jason Alexander and Bernadette Peters together and not have there be chemistry. Like, I know that the, the exactly. script says that they're not supposed to like each other, but you can't turn off that kind of natural chemistry. So we should have seen exactly what you're talking about. So maybe what, if I'm hearing what y'all are proposing, Craig, is that there's a prequel about Bernadette Peters, about how she got to where she is, right? And then there's a sequel, which is about Bernadette Peters and Jason Alexander, like yeah. working it out. Because I would watch both of those. <laughs> Yeah, it's like Cinderella, like, you know, forgives them and, you know, lets them come visit her at the palace. And, you know, mm-hmm. then like over time, Bernadette Peters and Jason Alexander fall in love. Uh, you know, we find, you know, maybe there's like a a, a duke, you know, or something Ooh. like that, or a couple of dukes that are hanging mm-hmm. around. Uh, and, you know, the sisters can, you know, have their little moment, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone just gets to be redeemed and fall in love like it could be the princess from uh, into the woods so instead of marrying rapunzel and uh oh and uh i'm trying to remember who it is in, the, in into the woods but they, they just married the stepsisters yeah <laughs> uh, uh can we talk about uh whoopee for a moment let's talk about Whoopi. <laughs> i also love both of these parents um and yes. again this movie it's, it's really interesting watching this as an adult because you see like the the kind of like care that this story has in terms of um you know i feel like it's one of those things where you see the parents who are like are you sure that this is what you want to do and the prince is like yes that's what i want to do and they're like okay, we support you. We'll like, be supportive. <laughs> they're like, we just want to make sure that you're sure. But if you're sure, then we'll support you. And it's like, oh, that's nice. That's such a nice, yeah. like, and, and like, you know, Whoopi is like very like, uh, you know, over the top and dramatic because um, you can tell there's like, you know, she has like this vision in her head of like what it is that, you know, the prince's life is supposed to turn out to be and how it's all supposed to like, how the path is supposed to be taken and when he's like starts diverging from that path uh she's giving uh what i called a uh, squeak core uh because she does those little like <laughs> ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and she has those moments like three or four times in the movie of just those little squeaks that she gives and i love it but then she turns around and she's like okay i've i've come back i've i've you know readjusted my expectations and I understand this is what you want and what and this is what is you feel is best for you uh and so as parents we're here to support you in that <laughs> my favorite moment in the movie hands down I think it's a squeak core moment is when she makes some pun about well like with the ball once you get the ball rolling it's hard to stop and then she goes ah! And laughs at her own yeah. joke. Yeah. And it's such joy. It's such joy. <laughs> Love that moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. And and again, because I think this is the only time I've heard Whoopi sing. Is that right? Oh. Do you sing another thing? I mean, not that, nothing that I've seen that I know. Oh, wait. I mean, there's Sister Act. But she's usually singing as part of, I haven't seen the, those movies in a very long time, but she's usually yeah. singing as part of the chorus, right? Yeah, it's usually like, yeah, with the, yeah, with the choir. Yeah. With choir, that's the word I'm looking for, thank you. Yeah, huh, because it was, I was like, wow, she should be cast as in a singing role more often, <laughs> you know, like, how come? <laughs> Maybe that could be the, like, you know, the latest stage of her career is get her singing and stuff. <laughs> We, uh, she just was in um, uh, the new television, the new TV nine limited series of uh, Stephen King's The Stand, where she plays Mother Abigail, which is, you know, Stephen King's uh, reoccurring role as magical Negro. Um, <laughs> but she is. He loves that. Quite, he loves it. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Uh, she's really good in it. And it was one of those like, oh, right. I haven't seen her in a dramatic role in several years. And it was like, ah, get back to that. Get off the view. Just like go back to acting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think she's uh, uh, going to be in the Picard show. In she is. Season, she's in so. season two of Picard. Yeah. Oh, um, so okay, she, as Guinan Guinan will be, I... Yes, she will be. Guinan will be appearing in season two of Picard. Um, <laughs> Tara, Tara's like, oh my god! 
There was a line uh, very early on in the film when uh, the prince is doing his Henry V thing and going in disguise amongst the common people. <laughs> and uh, he meets Brandy, and they're talking about women. He says something like, well, you know how a woman should be treated. And she says, what, he says, like, like a princess? And she says, no, like a human being, like, <laughs> like a person with kindness and respect. Respect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. yes. <laughs> it's, it's not about like treating a lady like a princess. You don't have to put them on a pedestal. Just like treat them like a human being with respect. <laughs> yeah. And in reading about the film, again, Whitney as producer really kind of pushed to have a lot kind of that, that Cinderella have a lot more agency and that you'll notice all the songs about like, or, you know, the Whitney moments. And again, this is the only part of the movie that I'd seen before is, you know, the believe in yourself or you can do it yourself or don't just wish for things like exactly. be proactive. Right. And that you can be treated like a human being, heaven forbid, be a lady and a human being. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I, I really appreciate that about this version that I, when I, I watched the, live quote-unquote live action remake of uh beauty and the beast where i was like woof that with the one with um emma emma thompson watson no. watson there yes. we go yes. i was like i, I, I don't know why whatever, <laughs> whatever her name is right emma watson um, thank you thank you with emma watson and i was like I couldn't help but keep thinking about that movie while watching this one. I was like, why did they not take like nine things from this version of Cinderella and be able to kind of do that for Beauty and the Beast made, what, 25 years later? Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, that came out so much later. So much later, you know, like the colorblind casting, like this type of messaging for young girls, right? Like all kinds of things that they just, you know, did not, did not continue with. Yeah, I feel like the 90s was, like, a really weird time when it came to, like, race and television. Like, the 90s and the early 2000s was, like, and even, like, the 80s, like, there were, there was this, like, I don't know, there there was this, like, kind of, like, mainstream level of, like, recognition and, like, you know, we had, like, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, we had uh, Family Matters on, like, you know, on, like, mm-hmm. these primetime slots, like, that were, like, all black families that were, like, right on television. Like, they weren't, like, segmented off onto different channels. Although, like, you know, there was still, like, UPN. There were these, like, you know, other channels where there was, like, primarily black, like, entertainment happening. Mm-hmm. But the, there, this was, like, a time where there was, like, still so much of it that was happening even within mainstream culture. And it's wild, like, how we've like gone backwards from that somehow. Like, <laughs> like there, it wasn't always like the best, like there, it wasn't always like, um, you know, like, you know, there, there, there wasn't always like the, the cultural sensitivity to things that there, that, that, um, you know, we recognize now, but at the very least, like it was like out there and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there were shows that were, you know, about black people, but weren't just like, that weren't just like, Oh, about black people like having to be this like certain type of black or this like performative blackness it was just like black people existing within these worlds that were written for them and they were just there and they just happened to be black and so it's interesting how (laughs) now you know knowing all that we know it's still like somehow we've like moved into a place where like oh if there's a show like that's about like blackness or like queerness then there has to be this like you know trauma involved with it or attached to it like there, there can't just be like people existing <laughs> and so <Yes. laughs> and so i love like you know this um this movie for that reason because it is very much like you said it's just like yes all of these characters are just like huge array of like you know different like colors like different body sizes like all of these different things that like you just don't see all that much of in like mainstream american television anymore yeah and it's within the world of the story is completely normalized yeah. as you're saying as you both are saying like there's no commentary on it there's no like how did this come to nope it's just normalized right this is what the, this world looks like yeah and why can't disney take that note forward <laughs> right because yeah, disney did this back then right so why yeah. can't disney just continue yeah. to do this I know that they were uh, right before lockdown. The Whitney hologram was finally going to go on tour starting in um, 
England, right? And so maybe we just need to channel that Whitney hologram into a producer <laughs> to like whip them all into shape again, right? <laughs> uh, I don't, sorry, as long as we're talking about holograms again, because I have been on tour with them. Um, the I don't know if you all saw the, it never aired. It was supposed to be on The Voice. It was Christina Aguilera performing with a Whitney hologram. Did you see, oh God, did you hear no. or see about this? Okay, dig it up on the internet. It's fascinating because, because I was like, how are they going to animate Whitney? Because that, to do that well and to do that realistically is so expensive, right? And like, how is the voice affording this? This is really hard to do, blah, 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 blah. I know the people who built the hologram. So it never aired because I think that I don't have any official word on this. The animation was so expensive that they gave up on trying to animate her. So they hired a Whitney impersonator to perform oh, the songs no, no. and then made the impersonator a hologram. Oh. <laughs> it is bonkers. That's terrible. It's, bon it's so awful. I highly recommend that you look it up. It's on the interwebs. <laughs> it's not hard to find. Um, but it was just this wait, what are you doing here, people? And that's why it never aired, right? But it's whomever, whatever. Well, thank goodness for that. Producers, I know, right? <laughs> Someone finally stepped in and was like, no, none of this. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Uh, OK, so uh, going back to the movie in hand, um, I really like how, OK, so the, you don't have to be a princess. You just want to be a person treated with kindness and respect. And I love how all of the ways in which, you know, um, uh, you know, young girls are girled and girling, as uh, Judith Butler would say. Like, you have to wear books on your head to get your posture correct, right? <laughs> that you have to curtsy, that you have to flutter your eyes, right? Um, and that all of that is treated for comedic effect. Like, this is so ridiculous. Why would you ever have to act this way, right? right. And, and I truly appreciate that in a movie that, you know, a lot of these Disney movies as are seen by kids, right? To kind of have that alternate messaging that like perhaps is a little ridiculous the way we're um, kind of girling women throughout their lives. Yeah, I love too in that scene where uh, Bernadette Peters is saying, you know, something to the effect of, oh, you know, uh, people have said that I have such a generous spirit. And then she like, kind of like ahems. And then the yes. girls are like, you have such a You're generous just, spirit. Just spirit, Robert. we love you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I love too, like you were saying, uh, yeah. you know, I, I also, oh, Whitney ahead, as please. like the voice of, uh, you know, kind of the, she, she, she's within the movie, but she's also like above the movie. She's like kind of within it, but also like almost to the point of being a narrator um, without like fully directly like talking to, uh, you know, as a disembodied voice to the audience. Um, but, you know, she she is the one that's like presenting all of like the morals for Cinderella of, you know, like, yeah, if you want to go get it, then you have to go. You have to go. I can't you. Take have you have to go. Like, I yep. can, you know, she's like, I, I'll give you the tools that you need, but you're going to have to be the one that like takes that step. And, and that's such a great message of like yeah and the whole impossible song of like yeah impossible things are happening but it's because like people are willing to put themselves out there to make it happen yeah and the impossible things are happening every day so yeah i don't know if that's exactly art, but it's this idea that okay but the impossible is possible and it happens all the time it just takes someone as you're saying kind of daring to do this which yeah. I, again is such a beautiful, wonderful way of framing it. <clears throat> Note to Disney: take these ideas <laughs> forward in your works. <laughs> I also really like the moment where, you know, Bernadette Peters and Brandy are having the like, well, why wouldn't a prince love me? And she's like, because you're common, right? So all of a sudden, class gets pulled into this idea, right? That of no, you're a commoner, right? So I, I, in my version of what the sequel would be is where Brandy calls for like radical wealth distribution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally like the first day, she's like, yeah, all, yeah, right. all right. We're gonna like enact some policies here. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really like that moment. Um, can we, can I switch gears here for a second? The kind of, there are a couple of moments here where it, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I, I was like, ooh, if, they were making a second version of the Sally Lloyd Closet, which is like a documentary series kind of looking back in time at films and seeing kind of the queer coding within um, films. Have you all done the uh, Sally Lloyd Closet on this podcast? No, no. Oh, we might want to do that. It's super fun. It's a great movie. Um, anyway, like there's two moments where I was like, ooh, 
somebody queer was on this production team <laughs> um, where, you know, um, Jason Alexander is chasing the prince and saying like, but you're rich and you're in this palace and you have beautiful women throwing yourself at your feet. Is there something I'm not getting? Right. And it's this kind of like, oh, is there something <laughs> going on with the prince that we don't know about? Right. And Jason Alexander, you know, kind of queer twisting that in a very subtle way because um, it could be read that way. And then uh, Victor Garber, Graber, shoot, the the the, the king, uh, Victor Graber. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Garber. Garber. Garber, there we go. Thank you. Garber, yeah. I, I mean, he's been kind of famously sort of out forever, right? Way back in the olden days of like the 70s <laughs> being out. <laughs> and so it, I love the moment where they're at the ball and he's sitting with Whoopi Goldberg and they see Brandy and Whoopi Goldberg says, oh, well, isn't she so beautiful? And he goes, yes, if I were a younger man and you think it's gonna be like lecherous or something, right? <laughs> like, and sexualized and eroticized, but instead, no, no, you have this gay man going like, if I, oh, if I were a younger man, well, I'd be younger then. <laughs> right? <laughs> kind of twisting that. It's not about this kind of erotic desire <laughs> model, but no, I'd just be younger. I'd love both of those little moments, right? So those would be the ones I would pull out for like the 90s version of the celluloid closet. <laughs> All right, I have a uh, trivia question for y'all. There are two people involved in this production who have gotten e the EGOT, the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Ooh. and Tony. Who are those two Whoopi. people? Whoopi. Yeah, Whoopi has one. Yeah. Uh, I would think Bernadette Peters, but. Not Bernadette I'm Peters. I'm going to guess the prince, because he's done a ton of stuff on Broadway. He must have won like it's, a soundtrack. It is not, I, I will help you out. It is not an actor or performer in this film. And it also Rogers somebody and Hammerstein? Who, <laughs> it, it is Richard Rogers. Richard Rogers was the first person to ever EGOT. He EGOT it in 1962. Um, Whoopi Goldberg, he got it in 2002. Richard Rogers wrote 42 musicals and 900 plus songs Jeez. between working with um, Hammerstein, but also working with Hart. He also, Rogers and Hammerstein as a collaborative duo changed the way that musicals were because before Rogers and Hammerstein, it was all just kind of review, kind of lighthearted comedy fair. They were the first people to start taking musical theater and make it be like a story with characters that's all set within this musical framework. That didn't happen before Rodgers and Hammerstein. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And that uh, uh, kind of, uh, like you are saying, that reviews like format is a little bit present in here by, again, that song, you know, falling in love with love, not being a part of this actual show right but being inserted into it of like oh yeah this is this is just like a song that we like felt like fat fit with this scene and so we're gonna pull it from this other thing and bring it in here <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> definitely oh that's fascinating i there's double egotting on this one is that like a egot squared or something <laughs> 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 Um, I also, okay, can we talk about the costumes and production design oh for a moment? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> okay, so as I was watching, because again, I've only seen the Whitney Houston scenes, I was like, gosh, they're on this really low budget, as you were alluding to, Cullen, about like, this is a TV movie made in the 90s. But I was like, they're referencing something and I can't figure out what it is. And as the kind of movie progressed, I was like, okay, so the uh, house that they live in, the, that the stepsisters and Cinderella live in, and then Bernadette Peters' like costume ball gown are all out of Klimt paintings. Klimt the Kiss, like in gold. Do you know that painting that I'm talking about? I'll pull it up if folks don't know. No. Okay, it's all, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. It's all influenced from Art Nouveau. This whole movie is like taking pieces from Art Nouveau. So. Klimt is the, what she's, that purple dress that she has that then has the big gold swirls on it. That's straight up out of a clip painting. Um, then the royal family, um, the king and queen, all of their kind of outfits come from also Art Nouveau from Alphonse Mucha. I can show some photos just because it's like, it's like taking some of those elements and dialing them up and then dialing them down or like adding colors that weren't necessarily in these, but it's straight out of it. Like this kind of gold brocade that he has here. Like I, I'll pull up an image of uh, 
a mooka painting or a mooka print and it's like oop there that's where that's from <laughs> right and kind of having this so for me as someone you know and then the, you can see here in the image that i have up here all these archways when you see the wide shot they're all kind of french art nouveau archways there's klimt references throughout all of the decor it's there's peacocks over their front door that comes from his work it was so much fun i was trying to figure out where uh, brandy's dress comes and i in my memory, I think it's an Art Nouveau furniture designer whose name I couldn't remember this morning when I was trying to look it up, but I, I will search for it because like that's straight out of that. And so for me, it was super fun because they're clearly doing it on a budget, right? But they're having enough, hint like even uh, Whitney's magical powers come from this one painting, which I'll pull up in a second. And her dress, especially from the back where it has all of those kind of um, triangles of gold and you know silver and browns coming and reds coming down it. That's straight out of um, kind of 20, you know, 1920s uh, painting. So that for me was one of those like, oh man, they're doing a lot with a little budget. Yeah, I mean, they uh, like kind of like what you're talking about in terms of the, the color, I think, they there there is like this uh really uh like classical kind of cuts of clothes but in these like yeah like, like you were saying these colors that like for you know this time period you know it, it is like it's out of time because it's fantasy um but like for the time period that's like kind of you know being it's being representative of like these colors would have been like <laughs> so Boggers, like, right? ridiculously, yes. like out of place like or or like again like so like like would they even exist at that time period it, would, they, would <laughs> they have the dyes for yeah, them exactly, exactly. Would they yes. have an, it, and if they did it would be the most opulent thing imaginable yeah <laughs> like yeah it did exist cost like a billion dollars to adjust it so i don't know if you can see here in my background but all these little swirls that are this is um klimt's uh, this is kind of a close-up on it and all of these kind of triangle shapes and all that like if you look back at the magic that whitney does there are all those little swirls in her magic as she casts right. it and then if you look at the her dress it's very much kind of shaped like this and kind of pulls from all of those colors uh, so like i was like what is this this seems so and like this kind of magic uh, sorry this kind of magical dust up here, right? Oof, it was so much fun. I was like, yes, Whitney, you're, you're gold. <laughs> but again, that it's this kind of historical colors and like kind of vaguely medieval silhouettes done via Art Nouveau and then like through the color lens of a Disney movie, right? Where everything is fuchsia. <laughs> yeah. I also love the gowns that the stepsisters wear. Oh my gosh, it's like an 80s prom went insane. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see even in the image that Colin has behind your head, like this banister comes, it's kind of a mix between like, I would say like, you know, like Rococo and uh, Art Nouveau, right? It just shows up all the time uh, throughout this. So for the, it's clear, I was like, oh, I can see their mood board when for the production design team and the costume design team. <laughs> Yeah, so that, uh, yeah. that for me was um, super fun. Oh, uh, yeah, and even down to the peacocks that are over Bernadette Peters' house, like when you, then the wide shots as they go in, I was like, ooh, that's a peacock from a Muka uh, painting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think uh, one of the things that uh, is kind of, it's kind of unrelated or completely unrelated <laughs> to your art history. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I went on a tangent there. The oh, no, no, I'm it's, interested it's in. <laughs> I'm just like, cool. I don't. I'm not an art history major, so I'm not sure what so I can add I'm to that conversation other than my observation um, of like, oh yeah, I see what you're saying exactly. <laughs> This is, this is where they got the idea from. And I, I just love the idea that Whitney is in this world, right? Like they inserted Whitney into um, Art Nouveau. Mm, makes me happy. But yeah, I like one of the things that I was wondering was like, I get kind of, I guess, why, you know, no one would recognize Cinderella in this moment. I'll, I'll give it up for, you know, the fairy godmother magic, but I don't understand why, <laughs> why oh. Cinderella didn't recognize the prince when she, like, I was just like, he, he's a very distinctive looking person. Like, uh, I mean, like, 
yeah like that's yeah. not a face that you forget like no <laughs> and it's not like you know again in henry v it's, it'll be like he's like wearing a mask or whatever he's, <laughs> when he's out amongst the commoners or has some you know creepy hairdo or something yeah no <laughs> maybe she forgot what he looked like yeah sure all right we'll go with that <laughs> yeah i heard that like you know people back in the day had shorter memory spans so yeah. Oh, there we go. She looked at him, but didn't see him. Oh, wow. They were all go. malnourished and drunk. <laughs> That's Maybe a great she's... explanation, Miko. Yeah, she looked at him, but she didn't see him. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she has face aphasia. Right? Every morning she just wakes up. She's like, "Who are you? What are you doing Why? in my bed?" Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. What else? Oh, I also said this is, uh, the origin story of the foot fetish. Cinderella is, like... Uh, <laughs> yes, that is so oh. true! Oh, my gosh! Oh. Uh, I will say this, that uh, I, I've always thought that Brandy was one of the most attractive people in the world, and that's certainly true in this case, but when they slipped her foot into that shoe i still was like oh gross <laughs> feet. it's just like no one wants to see anybody's feet i mean there are people uh, who do everybody. you know yeah. <laughs> for me it's more that like okay i don't know if y'all ever worn like plastic shoes like jellies i don't know remember those jelly i remember slippers. jellies but i've never yeah wore them <laughs> okay they cut into your feet you think about it, it's hard hardish plastic that doesn't fold right so i you, you just you bleed like your feet just bleed like crazy wearing them so the idea you would wear a glass Hi, yeah, you that's, yeah. <laughs> like, this is stitches and some like lifelong injury waiting to happen. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I mean like growing up, like there are definitely times where like I would have like you know a pair of shoes that I would like have to wear until they were like completely worn yes. through, and so like that back part where like once the padding goes away and that little like uh, bridge of like plastic that like plastic. holds the back arch in place, like scrapes against scrapes the back into of your heel. heel. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and you're God. like, I'm going to sever my Achilles tendon. <laughs> <Yeah>. from this. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, no, I, yeah. I'm like glass. Yeah. Again, watching this as an adult, I was like, mm, no, that doesn't, no, that does no, not no. seem, that does not seem reasonable. That does not seem comfortable. Like, and high heel, they're already heels already, but like, glass heels like glass no <laughs> like how did she not snap those heels walking down the staircase in the first place yeah. because it's a stiletto heel that's made out of glass well honestly like you know because in the original story the you know much darker original uh where uh you know the stepsisters actually like one of them like cuts her toes off to try and fit her foot Ooh. into the shoe um and like i was just like <laughs> Watching this, I was just like, yeah, if you're, like, trying to mash that on and then, like, the glass just, like, snaps and breaks and just, like, yeah, then you just have, like, glass lodged into the front, like, into your foot. Like, I, that's what like I was thinking. Bloody on this. glass. Yeah, watching this as an adult, I was just like, yeah, like, you're, you're, like, trying to press that foot in and just, like, you just hear that snap and then it's like, oh. <laughs> Well, that's over. That's over. <laughs> but going, speaking of that, I love Bernadette Peters' introduction where she's got these tiny little shoes and these little high heels and this little constricted costume, like shuffling on cobblestone, right? <laughs> that she is willing to be in pain for beauty. Oh, right? yeah. Well, no, she and says, you know she <laughs> says uh, what is it? Um, beauty knows no pain. Like, yes. <laughs> And again, this is in the process of girling. This is something we learn over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Does anyone else have any other notes on this? Uh, I think they spent. Sorry, I just. I think they spent their whole budget on um, the shot of the two of them dancing and singing with the rotating camera. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> they, I, Oh my, it, I was like, this take is still going, right? It's like a full minute of singing, dancing, camera movement, extras. I was like, wow, like technically for a TV movie in the 90s, I was like, Mwah. impressive, <laughs> impressive. Yep. All right, well, Colin, do you have any stats for us? I do. This movie has a 6.7 on IMDb. I, I did not see a meta score. It has an 86 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 74 um, audience tomatoes. I thought that 
I mean, yeah, this is like beloved. It's cherished. It's perfect. And I don't want to hear anyone say anything otherwise. (laughs) Well, I I would put this in the same category as Miracle that that we did a few weeks ago, where like this, I would never watch Miracle. I would never watch this. I'm so grateful, especially under COVID, to have these like heartwarming, lovely tales brought into my, you know, brought in. So I'm so glad we're doing, we did this one. Yeah, and I feel like this movie is also, like, it's the perfect length. It's just, like, the perfect yeah. amount of just, like, uh, you know, it's just kind of, like, a cheesy kind of love story. Uh, it's, like, really fun. It, it's just, like, a movie where you can just sit down and just, like, have something on that doesn't feel like it's gonna, uh, you know, be too much in any particular way at all. Like, it, it's just it's just enough of a movie to be like perfect for, you know, a, a night of just like sitting down with like, you know, some popcorn and just wanting to put something on. Yes. And I, that kind of, it's like maybe two minutes long scene where the two stepsisters are dancing with the prince and she's, and Minerva's yelling like, I want my chance at him. Right. And then, <laughs> uh, and then the snorting and the itching and like all of those things, it's, it's played so well. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. Like the, the pratfall comedy, like the slapstick, yeah. like it's, it's all like done, like so fun. And, you know, you can tell that, um, you know, the, everyone that's like involved in like all of the physical comedy is just like really like getting into it. Like when uh, Jason Alexander is on that ladder and like everyone keeps like walking past it and like almost falling, almost falling. And then at the end it's like, Whoopi just like pulls it and he just like falls over. And then like, they both just look back at him and they're like, Oh, and walk off. Yeah, it's it's a it's just such a fun fun movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's like uh, you know, I it's not like again like you're saying it's not a movie that I went into of like trying to have like all of these like you know super you know <laughs> intellectual deep like yeah like, <laughs> uh, but it surprisingly has like a yes. lot of really interesting and like cool messages in it like that are like really just like seamlessly ingrained into the narrative of the story. So I was pleasantly surprised on every level of like going back to this movie for the first time since I was probably like nine years old. (laughs) And seeing it when I was older than nine years old. Let's just say I'm older than nine. (laughs) No, but like coming back to the, you know, seeing this film really for the first time, I was delighted at all of the kind of, really complex, thoughtful messaging that's within it. Even the, well, are you in love with this person or are you in love with the idea of this person? Yeah. Right? And like, let, let's like have a little internal check here, everyone. Yeah. Are you <laughs> right? wonderful because I love you or do or I love you because you're wonderful? Yeah. 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 Uh, so across the board, it, I, I really, I really enjoyed this. So thank you. Well, yeah. Well, uh, thank everyone here for listening. Thanks for being in the chat with us. Um. Yeah, this movie is available on Disney Plus. Um, we didn't even really fully talk about the plot per se, but I mean, who doesn't it's Cinderella. know the plot of Cinderella? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Cinderella. So I think we. Yeah, I think it was it was easy enough for us to just kind of get Skip into over that. yeah, <laughs> kind of jump around a bit because yeah, if if you don't know the plot of Cinderella at this point, like. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where you've been, but <laughs> well, check this out. It's a it's a really yeah, it's right? a really great adaptation like, of that story. Yeah, in fact, there's only this adaptation, <laughs> right? There's only this version of Cinderella. Uh. So yeah. Um. You can find us online. We are on social media at IWYTWT. Do you want to do um, recommends? Or yes. No? Thank you, Tara. That's no. Yes. Doing? Thank you. Let's do that part. You're gonna skip over recommendations I just straight to ahead. <laughs> Craig, what are your recommendations this week? <laughs> uh, I would recommend uh, Spirited Away. Um, yeah. I am, I'm wearing my hockey shirt right now, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, another story that's uh, very magical. Um, you know, it's otherworldly. Um, it's definitely a completely different movie, but also has, like, some similar themes of, um, you know, Hayao Miyazaki is really good at, like, writing like girls and like young women like as like agents of their own destiny and uh and writing them in ways where um they are 
um, able to realize that agency across a really well-told story. Um, so, yeah, Spirited Away would probably be my recommendation. Um, other than that, uh, let's see. I mean, we talked about Black Panther already, but, like, that's another one where just, like, yeah, I, uh, powerful women. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you have any recommendations, Tara? I do. Uh, so if you want to go down the musical plus art history realm, uh, Moulin Rouge is a kind of mad cap take on uh, all of, uh, I would say, art history of the art history of that period. Um, and it, yeah, I'll just say that. Uh, just watch the production design. It is like packed full. There's like not a frame that doesn't have 75 things going on in it, in, within it. Um, I would also recommend, and I, I think I've done this before, The Bandwagon, which is Fred Astaire and Sid Charisse. It's a kind of lesser known musical that hasn't kind of held the test of time as a whole because it's more in that review style that you were talking about, Colin. I'd never thought of it in that way, but it is more review. But it's Fred Astaire is like this aging hoofer who is now has to dance with young, balletic Sid Charisse. And so you're watching the two of their dance. So they're personality conflicts show up in their dance conflicts and it's beautiful um the annie are you okay uh smooth criminal video comes from one of uh, dem bones dem bones scene in that um and then in la la land to the point where i gave up on it where they're kind of like dancing in the park that's <laughs> where like okay i'm turning this off that also it's called dancing in the dark is a scene from that movie which is absolutely like non-verbally you see two people who have been fighting fall in love it's absolutely beautiful i would highly recommend that i mean and last but not least a movie that i think came on netflix just this week that I started watching it and did not realize that it's kind of a variation on cinderella but it's great uh and has a wonderful ending is called madam or madame i'm not sure uh, madam and it's about um an american couple who a well very very wealthy american couple who's moved to paris uh, played by tony collette and, and uh harvey keitel <laughs> as the couple um and then uh their Spanish maid has to fill in as a high-end guest and some hijinks in, uh, ensue. Um, I can't think of a Spanish actress's name, but she's, it came, she's in all of uh, Almodovar's films and is really a phenomenal actress. So it, it, about halfway through it, I was like, oh, is this Cinderella? I think it is. And they do a beautiful job of it. And it ends um, with a wonderful, wonderful, like, new adaptation ending to Cinderella. Colin, you got anything for us? Uh, so first of all, this is uh, Wes and me watching this movie this morning. Oh, that is too cute. Was, was Wes at the time wearing the tiara? Is it? <laughs> no. He would not have tolerated having something this uncomfortable on his head for more than half a second. Um, um, I think next time you uh, wear the tiara, you need to have the you know hat and then the tiara over it. I think yeah, that would that be a would good look. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, if you like the music from this, there are, well, 43 other musicals written by Richard Rogers. Um, in terms of ones that hold up, I would say uh, The Sound of Music is still pretty good to this day. And I would say if you haven't seen um, South Pacific, you should check out South Pacific because it's, it's one that actually deals with some larger cultural issues that like still kind of hold up. And I mean, yeah, it's still from the perspective of a musical written in like the late 40s, but it, it actually from today, considering it was written in the 40s, it, it actually holds up decently well. And the songs in it are really good. So I would say check out South Pacific uh, for another good Richard Rogers musical. Nice. Right on. Okay, and now Thank we've come you. to the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you all so much for listening. Uh, you can find us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter. We are at IWYTWT. Uh, we're on uh, Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash IWYTWT. Uh, IWYTWT.com. That's our website. Um, let's see. Where else are we? Oh, yeah. We're here on Twitch. If you're listening, um uh, you can join us on sundays at noon mountain standard time we are on twitch.tv forward slash iwy twt 
Also, uh, you can find our podcast hub at anchor.fm forward slash IWITWT. Yep, that's right. That's where it is because that's where all the things are. Just look up IWITWT. You'll probably find us anywhere that you're looking for us. So um, thank you once again. You can find me individually. I am on Twitter at Catharticus. Cullen, where are you I, at? I am at Cullen Munch. Right on. And, and, and I'm just I'm just in a field of Whitney Houston and gold. That's where I am. <laughs> find me there. <laughs> right on. Um, yes. Thank you once again. And goodbye.